Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. China hits back at the U.S. on tariffs and stocks take a nosedive. Plus, Robert Mueller may not see the president as a target in his Russia probe. But sources say he is still more than a witness. And the White House tries to clarify Trump's strategy on Syria. This is the State of America Tonight. We intend to get along with China, but we have to do something very substantial about the trade deficit. The White House is showing leadership here. We don't have fair trade with China. China may be targeting the demographic that has voted for the current administration. This is going to hurt you know, the country and specifically where the president has done well. He campaigned on this. All those good farmers in the Midwest who voted for Donald Trump and now are getting hammered, sorry. Hello, I'm John Avalon, live in New York, and this is the State of America Tonight. Now, for a man who loves to take credit when stocks surge, the past few weeks have been pretty brutal for President Trump. The Dow is battling back from a sharp decline after China retaliated against recent U.S. tariffs and fears of a trade war intensified. With China slapping a 25% tariff on U.S. goods, including soybeans, planes, cars, and chemicals. But just yesterday, the president said ties between the two countries are strong. Our relationship is very good with China, and we intend to keep it that way. But we have to do something to seriously relieve that trade deficit. We can't have a $500 billion a year trade deficit. And just this morning, the president pushed back on any concerns, declaring that the U.S. is not in a trade war with China. But a check of his Twitter feed shows that even if it were, the president wouldn't be too worried. Here's what he wrote in early March, quote, When a country, USA, is losing many billions of dollars on trade with virtually every country it does business with, trade wars are good and easy to win. Well, time will tell if the president's business acumen proves right on that one. But there's another critical foreign policy issue that's top of mind for the White House today. I'm talking about Syria. Remember when the president said this last week? We're knocking the hell out of ISIS. We'll be coming out of Syria like very soon. Let the other people take care of it now. Now, that unexpected announcement stunned members of Trump's staff who were left scrambling to figure out his strategy. Well, today we all got a little clarity. A senior administration official says President Trump will keep troops in Syria for the short term. But Total's national security team, he wants them to leave soon. And that comes after top commanders told Trump that the battle against ISIS has not yet been won. At least one former army general says the number of troops could actually increase in the short run. You might see a slight uptick, too, because that's what General Votel has asked for, along with General Thomas. They know that the toughest part of the fight is after the fight's over, uh, when you're trying to stabilize the communities. I think many people have been recommending that to the president. Now to a subject the president has been surprisingly silent on today, at least on social media. 
And that's the Russia probe. President Trump's lawyers have been told that he is not a target in Robert Mueller's special counsel investigation. That's according to sources familiar with recent conversations. But those sources also say the president is viewed as more than a witness, meaning that the president could be the subject of an investigation. And that's why CNN's chief legal analyst says that Trump shouldn't be breaking out the champagne just yet. Trump is a subject, and I don't think that's particularly good news for him. I mean, it's a big deal to be under criminal investigation by the FBI, particularly if you're president of the United States. But being a subject is a very serious thing. That means the prosecutors are determining whether to file charges against you. Got that? Well, here's how prominent Republican Congressman Trey Gowdy, a former federal prosecutor, summed up the crucial differences. I don't think those terms, target versus subject, the only word that matters to me in the criminal justice system is defendant. One witness can take you from being a subject to a target. And, and, until, and, and unless and until you've interviewed everyone and looked at everything, um, no one has been implicated and no one has been exculpated. Now, Gowdy went on to say that when it comes to Mueller's desire to speak one-on-one with the president, Mr. Trump should comply. I would tell you, if you did not rob the bank, there's no reason for you not to sit down and talk to the FBI about the bank robbery. If you have nothing to hide, sit down, assuming a fair prosecutor, a fair prosecutor, and I think Mueller is, sit down and tell him what you know. Sage advice. Well, now, for more on that roller coaster ride for stocks, I am joined by CNN Money Editor-at-Large and host of Quest Means Business, Richard Quest. Richard. The markets are clearly rattled, but they are off their lows for the session. Now, is that a sign that investors think cooler heads will prevail and that a potential trade war between China and the U.S. might be avoided? No, no, I don't think that's at all uh, the, 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 the situation. I think the markets are off the lows because they probably just thought it was overdone this morning. And that maybe uh, when you look at the total situation, it might not be as bleak as people had thought. But uh, anybody who for one second believes that if these tariffs come into effect in 60 days' time, um, that the market wouldn't fall out of bed is deluding themselves. The reality is that the market is hoping and praying that these tariffs don't come into effect. But Boeing has still been beaten up by 2 to 4%. Caterpillar has been beaten up as well. You've still got the president attacking Amazon. You've got 3M shares that are down. And you have a situation whereby the president tweets that it's not a war because they've already lost. But he has to send his new economic advisor, chairman of the Economic Council, Larry Kudlow, he has to send him out to mollify the market. I'm glad, saying, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that because we've got a clip of, of Mr. Kudlow that I'd like to play for folks and get your please. reaction because he says it's all a big misunderstanding. I would take the president seriously on this tariff issue. Um, you know, there are carrots and sticks in life, but he is ultimately a free trader. He said that to me. He said it publicly. So he wants to solve this uh, with the least amount of pain. He is ultimately a free trader. This is just a bit of gamesmanship. Why can't we get that, Richard? We can't get it because there's always the possibility of it not happening. If, look, John, if this is all a massive negotiation strategy that's being done in the full glare of public and that, then so be it. 
then we will all find out in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks' time that that's all it was, and uh, the markets will rally back up again. However, if this turns out to be uh, an accident waiting to happen, then you've got, you, you, you've got to be ready for that. And that's what the markets are telling you. You can't play with dynamite and simply say, well, we didn't really expect it to blow up in our faces. <laughs> there is always the risk that the other side does something unpredictable, which they haven't, by the way. The other side so far, China, has been absolutely predictable and moderate in its response. The reality is it's the administration in Washington that now has to say what its policy is and what it will do next. If, John, finally on this, if they manage to contain it to the sanctions and tariffs announced so far, everything's fair enough. But if we start getting into a minds bigger than yours, then we're in deep trouble. Sage advice about not playing from economic dynamite from Richard Quest. Thank you, my friend. We'll see what happens. Now, when the state of America returns, we're going to be talking trade wars and how China's proposed tariffs just might hit President Trump's base the hardest. Stay with us. Now, President Trump campaigned as a businessman who would know how to fire up America's economic engine. But now, with the stock market struggling amid fears of a trade war, there are questions about where he's steering the country. So we're going to chat about it with our panel. We've got CNN political commentator Catherine Rampell, also a columnist for The Washington Post, S.E. Cup, a CNN political commentator and host of HLN's S.E. Cup Unfiltered, Joe Borelli, New York City councilman and Trump supporter, and CNN political commentator Joan Walsh, is also the national affairs correspondent for the nation. Are we duly noted? All right. This, yes. is, a, this is a big deal, this escalation, because it seems to have the intent, unintentional consequence, at least on the president's part, of having the impact be felt by his base. So, Catherine, here's the question. When they go day one against pork and soybeans hard, is that really targeting Iowa Terry Branstad in the president's base intentionally? I think so. I think there's no other way to read this. If you look at Iowa's top 20 exports, more than half of them have now been targeted by China. There is no way that is a coincidence. And it's not only Iowa, it's other parts of Trump's base that will be hit by this, not only by the by the tariffs that, that uh, China is targeting, of course, but also the fact that when we put tar uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum, that hurts manufacturers in Iowa who purchase steel and aluminum. So they get hit doubly hard. So, Joe, I mean, this is something that if you were looking for tariff war, trade war that was going to really hurt the president's base, that crucial Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, you'd come up with a package that looks something like this. How is this a good thing for his base? Is there going to be serious buyer's remorse on the part of the president's base pretty soon? Well, well no. So if, if you look at this big package, right, it's really $50 billion, which in and of itself is only 2 or 3% of total Chinese imports of United States goods. So it's more strategic than overarching. And when you talk about the, the strategery, as, as mm -hmm. President W. would say, they are looking at places where there's more of a political impact on President Trump than an overall impact. 
If we're talking about volatility at 24,000 in the Dow Jones, though, mm-hmm. uh, and saying how this is chaotic and how this is a problem, <clears throat> let's also look at the 30% growth over the past year, and let's say that this is what the Trump base is more excited about, because, if again, you can't, you can't complain about volatility at this number without acknowledging that the number's a lot higher we, than where it we was. We acknowledge that the economy's been Say going gangbusters on President mm-hmm. Trump, particularly Wall Street, which is not Main Street economy. You're saying there's nothing to see here, not a big deal, Joan. But the whole question in American politics is, what happens to that working class base in the upper Midwest that had traditionally voted Democrat, defected big time for Donald Trump? Absolutely. Where's Joe wrong? I think I think Joe's wrong. I think he knows he's wrong. I mean, we've got Scott we've got Scott Walker on Twitter today and last night freaking out about the uh, Supreme Court election there. Scott Walker knows that the Republican Party is in trouble before these tariffs. This is a very smart attempt, I believe, on the part of the Chinese to make people squawk in the heartland uh, and force the president to think twice and maybe and maybe backtrack on this. I expect to see him backtracking. All right. So, Essie, I'm going to give you a twofer because, first of all, this trade war, is this anything that fiscal conservatives who supported Trump might have imagined? I mean, he campaigned on it, but did they think he'd really follow through? They should have. Um, you know, and, and, and conservatives like me were worried about the rhetoric. The problem is the rhetoric, the, the trade war rhetoric, the anti-China getting tough on China rhetoric, his supporters really liked that. Mm-hmm. The question is, will they like it in practice? Right. And when that comes back to some of uh, the areas that voted for Trump hitting them the hardest, you know, when Chuck Grassley is out talking about how worried he is about his farmers and ranchers right. uh, in Nebraska, then we'll have to see if the rhetoric w- is actually met by by the policy and if they support that uh, as much. I, I imagine that that they will not. But um, look, this is, I think, a negotiation tactic. I think he you uses think- rhetoric. Yeah, I think he and, uses and, and his rhetoric as a negotiation. And let's concede and that the president has a point about intellectual property theft from China, too. It is a multi-billion yes, dollar problem. This isn't just about our trade Yeah, but there's, there's a smart way to go about that right. and a dumb way, and tariffs are the dumb way. The smart but, way but, would be through the but WTO. But maybe threatening tariffs isn't as we dumb shall see. as actual tariffs. We're going to have to leave see. it there, but we shall see. We will be back for a bigger conversation. Thank you, panel. First, we have failed. Those harsh words come from one of the president's outgoing advisors. And it's not Donald Trump's only rift with the staff he leads. The panel returns, as I promised, next. Welcome back. Now, whether President Trump is talking about his policy on Russia, his vision for Syria, or a move to protect the border, his plans often seem to take his own government by surprise. Now, sometimes he breaks from the advice of his officials, and sometimes he seems to break from reality. So let's have a reality check. The fact is that his idea of sending troops to the border comes at the same time that illegal crossings drop to the lowest level in four decades. And statistics show those who make the crossing are less of a threat than American citizens in terms of violent crime. Those are the facts. Let's conduct a fact-based debate and bring in the panel. Joe, question for you. The president's ratcheting up his rhetoric on immigration. He's directed his Department of Justice to create quotas for, just, uh, for judges on deportations. Is this because he's afraid he's losing his base on the issue? 
Or is this really a response to a real problem? Because those facts would indicate it's more fear than fact. Well, let, let, let's not forget the, the hyperventilating over this caravan of, of, of people who seem to have been coming to the United hyperventilating States. Hyperventilating being negative or positive? Uh, you know, negative from the media standpoint, where maybe, maybe if, the president's if, talking about. if the media has over-exaggerated this caravan of people, then that's, that's your own fault. What I'm trying to say is... So you're blaming the president's no, favorite no. station for filling him with... <laughs> I think this is, the, this is clearly the station the president, president watches the most. Um, but back, back to the border wall. Obama used this in, I think, two, 2010 when he uh, decided to put his own National Guard troops on the border wall as a concession to Republicans uh, j- just to get their support in some of the immigration reforms he was trying to get to. Is this another one of Trump's negotiate, uh, negotiating points? It might be. Is it a reaction to, uh, to the fact that... That, that, that he thinks that border crossings are still going up? I mean, is, is it, even though they're not, I mean, they're, they're not. not. They're not. And again, like, so yes, politics is perception, but facts <laughs> matter if you're leader of the free world. Maybe. Well, it it, they it should. does, they objectively. Uh, whether or not we choose to act on them is another conversation that we should be having right now. Essie, uh, here's my question. The president, Democrats made an offer, $25 billion for a border wall. There was the outline of a grand bargain. The prospect of pulling a Nixon in China, almost a cliche, but we're going to hold it out there for a grand bargain. Is this something the president can return to? Is this another negotiating tactic or is DACA dead, as he said? I I think this is yet another rhetorical negotiating tactic. Look, where you're right is is on the border statistics. Those facts are are not arguable. But you look at sanctuary cities and that's a very real issue. It's a very real problem for real people, not just Republicans. And so there is an issue to address. He wants to address it. Is this partly political? 100%. When you lose Ann Coulter, you've lost... You, you've, you've lost lo- Ann Coulter. Well, she's a proxy for, for a significant part of his base. And so I think these wild swings at policy, taking troops out of Syria, putting them, those maybe those very troops, Back on in. the border and <laughs> uh, Mexico, I mean, these are for sure rhetorical uh, offerings to his base, but perha- perhaps also a rhetorical way of starting a conversation on DACA and immigration and foreign policy well, again. having the conversation. I mean, I don't think he's in any way interested in a serious conversation on, on DACA. There have been so many chances at a bipartisan deal. Essie, you know that as well as anyone else. And then he goes and takes DACA off the table. Then he goes and lies and says that DACA, the possibility of DACA is encouraging illegal migration when DACA only applies to people who've well, already been here Congress for quite a long been, time. has been great actors on, on DACA, right? He's not I negotiating with there himself. Was a, there was well, a bipartisan a clean bill, clean bill, yeah, clean bill with on. border funding on he, the table he that he walked told, away He also from. told people, here's what I'm offering, and that included 1.8 million DACA recipients legalized. And, that was and, a deal look, as well. Let's reality check this That's what the compromise was. win would have been an accomplished bill. I think the problem is it was posturing that was thrown out. I want to make sure we got time for another issue, too, because this is important, because there are 800,000 American lives at stake, among other things, with regard to the Dreamer population. But we can't ignore outgoing National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, who made some pretty remarkable comments about Russia and regret in one of his final speeches. Let's think we got the clip. We have no clip. Well, what he said was there had been a major mistake that this the, the problem the government had had was not following through on the fret threat that Russia represented. That seems like a slap at Donald Trump. It is, but that's why he's the outgoing national security <laughs> advisor or part of it. You know, I, I think that he's felt that all along. Uh, and it's, it's the kind of independence that the president couldn't tolerate in that position. Well, this is national security. You know, remember the old line, politics ought to end at the water's edge? I do remember Clearly that. that's not true anymore. <laughs> no. 
But are we going to miss H.R. McMaster? Are even national security hawks going to miss him in trading him out for John Bolton, another TV star like Kudlow with real foreign policy credentials, but someone who's hawkish without having the benefit of serving in the military? What's the difference? Uh, You know, a couple months ago at Stanford, Rex Tillerson, then Secretary of State, laid out a very long-term plan for Syria. It involved five points. It was not uh, small. President Trump either didn't read that briefing or decided after a a few months without telling his military advisors, I'm going to completely rip that up. So it doesn't really matter who is... Who's got his ear? Who's brought in? Yeah, it Trump, doesn't. Trump he doesn't does, seem to listen. Trump does what he wants to do. He doesn't even inform the people around him. Right. I mean, there were reports that when he announced yet again that transgender people weren't going to be allowed mm-hmm. to serve, that the Joint Chiefs hadn't been informed. So there, there are lots of cases in which he is not clearly in dialogue with the people who are supposed to be advising him. It's not even that they're not advising him um, or that he's dismissing their advice. He's just not even talking to them, it appears. With the government he leads, there is a constant pattern of chaos. And I think the question is, Joe, you like that he shoots from the lip, but if there's a total disconnect between the president's statements and his government's policy planning, you got to admit that's a problem. You know, uh, no, I, I won't, because, <laughs> because that's your job. No, you no, no. This is who America elected, right? This is someone who the rumors that he doesn't want to have a, a chief of staff or a communications director might very well be true. I, I don't know that. This is someone who, who made some very bold promises and very bold predictions on the campaign trail and isn't letting some of the people who advise him get in the way of the things he committed to the American public. One of those things with respect to Syria uh, was, was eradicating ISIS. ISIS is effectually eradicated. That's not not completely. The the concession that just came out in one of the speeches in the the Washington Post, one of the pieces in the the Washington Post, was that they don't want to have the threat of an ISIS resurgence. But the point he's trying to make is if ISIS ISIS is defeated, uh, then we should be putting uh, pulling out of Syria. I I think SE wins the fact point on that. They're not very irresponsible. We Baghdadi's still out there. SE Cup wins that point on the facts. Joe, I'm sorry to take away from you, but I thank you. No trophies here, man. But I thank you all for participating nonetheless. Everybody, thank you. But I want to end on a a more somber note tonight because we mark a somber anniversary in the United States, April 4th, 1968, when the uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, the day before he was shot, Dr. King gave a prophetic speak, which still echoes on today. Take a listen. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The next morning, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated at the Lorraine Motel. He was 39 years old. Now, at that time, Robert Kennedy was a presidential candidate, senator from New York. He was on his way to a campaign rally in Indianapolis, speaking in a largely African-American community that that had not heard the news yet of Dr. King's assassination. He went and he spoke without notes and gave what many consider one of the finest extemporaneous speeches in American political history. My favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, Even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own despair, against our will, 
comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black. Two months later, Robert Kennedy would also be dead from an assassin's bullet. The bloody spring of 1968 was a hinge of American history. But as we look back, we can still take inspiration from those fallen heroes. America has been far more divided within living memory, but we ultimately emerged stronger because of the principled leadership from individuals who knew how to summon the better angels of our nature, even in the darkest moments, and so give us the courage to carry on as one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm John Avalon. Thanks for watching. And that is the State of America Tonight. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.